0: The National Soccer Coaches Association of America is proud to present the NSCAA podcast presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer broadcaster Dean Linke. The NSCAA is the go-to resource for soccer coaches of any level. From education to networking, the NSCAA has something for everyone. Go to NSCAA.com to learn more about the world's largest soccer coaches organization today. Now, here's your host, Dean Linky.
1: I am Dean Linky, delighted to be with you on the NSCA podcast, and what an incredible time for youth soccer across the country. The ECNL National Finals take place this weekend out in California at the U15, U16, and U17 level, and the longtime president of the ECNL, Christian Lavers, will join us off the top. A little bit later on, it's Alois Winker, who is the Boys Development Academy Director for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. The U eighteen and U sixteen finals will take place in just over a week out in Los Angeles. Girls soccer, boys soccer at the highest level. We get started with Christian Labors, president of the ECNL, after this quick message from Team Snap.
0: Managing your club or league shouldn't feel like a second job with Team Snap. It doesn't have to. They help their customers save time and sanity on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to teamsnap.com/nscaa1. Now, once again, here's your host,
1: Dean Leakey. Thanks so much for joining me on the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap. We get things kicked off in a big way with Christian Lavers, who has been the president of the ECNL, the girls program, since 2009. Of course, they're also going to start a boys program coming up, and we wanted to have him on right now because this weekend, it's the ECNL national finals for U15, U16, and U17. That barely tells the story, by the way, about Christian Lavers. We'll get into some of the other hats that uh, he wears as well. An impressive man. I think the hat he's most proud of, though, folks, he's the Proud parent of a new baby boy. We'll start with that, Christian. Welcome to the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap, and tell us about the newest member of the Labors family.
2: Well, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be on and talk with you as always. And uh, yeah, we had a baby boy about, uh, gosh, June 26th, So already almost 10, 14 days ago. Whatever, whatever it is, it's been a whirlwind, but. Uh, Little CJ was born, 8 pounds, 4 ounces, and uh, he and my wife are doing great.
1: All right, yeah, we're going to ask for the vitals, and you put them out there already. Congratulations, that's so exciting, and who knows, a future U.S. national team member, in fact, uh, as he gets some direction from Christian Lavers. who's still (laughs) getting it done, by the way, because before we get into this, you're still, like, technical director, right, uh, in Wisconsin. Tell us uh, exactly what you do there as well.
2: Yeah, well, we uh, we started a club uh, about... Six years ago, uh, FC Wisconsin, and, and I'm the technical director there, which means I, I set the methodology and the, the training curriculum and, and train the coaches uh, so that we have a consistent uh, style of play and way of teaching. and. Uh, it's just a great it's great to be out on the on the gra- on the grass and and see what's going on every day not only with what uh, the next generation of players look like and what they're doing but also just to see what the landscape is i mean there's no substitute for for being out there every day and, and seeing it and talking to people
1: and if that's not enough a new role with C2SA tell us exactly what that is
2: uh, yeah, well, I was the executive vice president of U.S. Club Soccer for uh, the past seven years and uh, did a lot of work building leagues and building programs for them. And uh, now have moved to uh, C2SA and continue to provide some consulting for U.S. Club on, on those areas and then get into some other uh, business development, uh, sponsor development uh, opportunities uh, across multiple sports. So it's been, uh, it's been busy and uh, it's an
1: exciting time. All right, today our focus, though, with the weekend coming up, is the ECNL National Finals for U15, U16, U17. Tell us when and where it is this weekend.
2: Yeah, well, tomorrow is going to be the, the draw. So we have four teams qualified at each of the A-groups, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, these teams qualified uh, in the playoffs in Rockford about two weeks ago, uh, winning, winning uh, their groups in the playoffs to get to the finals. And, of course, to get into the playoffs is a, is a big challenge already. The, the Champions League playoffs were the 32 best teams in each age group in the ECNL, and those were whittled down to the final four for this weekend, where it will be at Surf Cup Sports Park uh, in Del Mar, California. The, the draw tomorrow, where everybody will find out who they match up with in the semifinals, and the first games will be Friday, and then the championships will be Saturday.
1: The ECNL National Finals. How has the landscape changed for the ECNL since 2009?
2: That's a it's a great question, and we keep reminding ourselves of that whenever we get the groups together. Uh, we did a, our AGM in Rockford um, a couple uh, weeks ago, and we talked about 2009. We were 40 clubs. And a budget of $40,000, just uh, starting to do the most basic competition, um, bringing teams together into common places. And now you look, and we've got uh, 84 clubs this year. We've put millions of dollars a year into the youth game through uh, subsidies for the finals, so the teams uh, getting a lot of travel assistance to come into Del Mar, through player identification, uh, our national training camp, which will be out in Portland at Nike headquarters and the University of Portland here in about three weeks, and then just trying to make uh, really the most special, exciting youth soccer atmosphere uh, in the country for our players. So when you say what's changed, everything.
1: Well, one thing that hasn't changed, even back in 2009 and moving on, I actually had the pleasure of calling one of the ECNL national finals and sat down with every single member of the two teams that played. And every single player had a college behind their name where they were going, almost all of them, on a full ride. The ECNL, particularly when you get to the national finals level, continues to be a gateway to the best college programs in the country.
2: Yeah, we're really proud of that. This year, 90% of the graduating players in the league are moving on to college soccer, which is a pretty unbelievable statistic. I mean, we're not talking about uh, 90% of a club or 90% of a a team. We're talking about 90% of the graduating seniors in the league. And, of course, when you're talking about the Final Four teams uh, here in in California this weekend – You're talking about, you know, just about every single player and going to some of the best schools in the country. So it's a really great showcase for what the best level of youth soccer on the girls' side looks like and what the future of college soccer and the NWSL, what that's going to look like as well because so many of these players will move on and and be stars at
1: those levels. Well, Christian, as you know, listening to the NSCA podcast, we like to drop names and and promote people as well. So as you take a look at U15, U16, U17, tell us uh, about the four teams in each bracket, if you can. Can you do that for me?
2: Sure. Well, I'll do my best. Uh, The the first thing that jumps out is, you know, of these 12 teams, we have uh, the Michigan Hawks and Slammers FC out of Newport Beach have each qualified two teams. Uh, both of them actually are in the 15s and the 17s. And when you look at how hard it is to, to succeed and, and, and be crowned a champion at, at any level in this league, to have two teams in these finals is, is a great credit uh, to those clubs. The Slammers at U-17 are actually going for a three-peat, uh, which is almost unheard of in youth soccer to, to win three years in a row. Um, so So that will be an exciting thing to watch. The SoCal Blues are at U-15. And they are 27-0 and 0 this year. Uh, they, they're looking to, to become the first team ever to go through the ECNL and win a championship without losing a single game. And, and that team has just been a complete uh, bulldozer as it's gone through the conference and then through the playoffs. And then you have clubs like FC Stars in Massachusetts coming back at U16 for their second year in a row. Uh, they've really developed to be one of the leading, if not the leading, club on the East Coast. And uh, Jason Dewhurst's Group uh, coming in looking to try and get a championship at that age group. So we, we've got six of our seven conferences in the league represented here in the, here in the finals. So it's going to be a, a great cross section with the best players from all over the
1: country. You're hearing the voice of Christian Lavers, the president of the ECNL since 2009, and that role continues for Christian Lavers and you know we talked about the landscape earlier of course uh, you know U.S. soccer now with their development academy has been so influential on the boys side but now they're also doing the girls side I'll just say that uh, as very calmly as possible and you know we've had Anson Dorrance on as well you know he's a huge proponent of the ECNL what's your blanket statement right now on uh, how that is going and where the ECNL fits in and uh, what the next steps are?
2: Well, we feel really good uh, about next year and where the league's going to be. I mean, when you look – one of the things we, – we we talked as a, as a group, again, in our AGM that I just referenced. And, you know, the ECNL was formed when a bunch of directors came together and said that uh, we needed to change the landscape and provide choice. And so choice is never a bad thing. There's another platform in the, in the country now really trying to do what it is that we've been doing for the last uh, seven years – and so that's that's not a bad thing. The the, as, as just like players on a roster, competition makes them better. Uh, similarly, you know we've really reevaluated, reassessed our values, uh, what we do as a league, and feel really good about uh, moving forward and the clubs that we have that are all in with the league, and the quality of the product that's out there. I mean, I think nobody would argue that the quality of soccer and youth female soccer, and then those players. Um, uh, trickling up into college and, and beyond, that the quality has gotten so much better. We have more technical players than than we've ever had before. You know, you have players like Mallory Pugh who's been recognized as one of the the greatest players to come out of youth soccer in the last 10 years. you got 16-year-olds in the national team training camps for the full women. So we feel really good about what we've done to raise the bar and standards in in women's soccer, and uh, we feel really good about the future as well. I mean, our, our clubs do a great job, and it's our job as an organization to provide them with more resources Uh, to keep raising the bar and help them continue to provide a better and better uh, product. And uh, if we do that, then I think the the, the country is the real winner because the more top-level players that we have coming up, and whether they come from ECNL, they come from the DA, they come from USYS, uh, that's the best thing for our country to have. And and we've we've had a tremendous track record of of helping top-level players develop, and we're going to continue to do that.
1: You also said you would continue to take phone calls the last time we had you on leading up to the NSCA convention in Los Angeles. I thought your interview was fantastic. You were ready to address the issue of U.S. soccer starting the Girls' Academy. And you said, you know what, my phone is uh, always on. I'm always ready to take a phone call from U.S. soccer. Has that phone call come, and are you still open?
2: Uh, I'm still open. You know, my my phone... Phone number's not that hard to get, as you know, and uh, we're always open for talking about collaboration uh, and ways to make the game better. You know, really our focus is, is on the ECNL and what we control, uh, as, as it should be, and we're going to keep making that better and better. And right now, that's uh, that's the limit of our discussions at this point. We're still helping U.S. soccer, providing them with recommendation lists of players uh, at every age group for their scouting. We do that uh, at every one of our events and provide provide a list of top players that, that the directors submit. So we're doing our part to try and help our national teams get better, um, both by uh, shining a spotlight on some players, but more importantly, by providing a competitive environment and a developmental environment for our clubs and their coaches to do a great job, and so when that phone call comes, which I'm optimistic that it will at some point, you know, hopefully we can we can find a way to keep making American soccer better.
1: But until it does, it sounds like business as usual. You're charging on, pushing forward, developing these top young players.
2: Yeah, it, it is, and you know we have a country of 300 million people that you know, really is a continent, and I think it's it's really. Silly for anybody to say that, that they've got a handle on every single top player and top market and top club in the country. And so having having another platform that uh, will offer some opportunity for players uh, is great. And uh, we we think that uh, we've been a leader, that we've been on the forefront of change in youth soccer when very few people really were interested in doing much. And we're con- going to continue to be on that forefront and. There's going to be criticism and praise uh, on that line, as we all know, but uh, that's what leaders do as we go forward and, and innovate and change, and that's what we're going to do in the ECNL.
1: It's outstanding play as well, leading up to the ECNL National Finals, U15, U16, U17 this weekend. Can people uh, follow it via stream? Uh, is it going to be available live?
2: Yes, uh, all of the games are actually going to be live streamed. So the links for those are going to come out on social media, so on Twitter and uh, Facebook from from the league here in, in the next 24 hours. And again, tomorrow is the big draw uh, where these four teams in each age group find out who their semifinal opponent is. So it's pretty exciting, kind of a uh, a youth World Cup type atmosphere when you when you see which name pops up next to you. Uh, and then all the games will be available online to see. Some of the nation's best young players uh, show what they can do. And I think if you haven't seen top-level youth female soccer you would be really impressed at the, the quality of these players.
1: All right, ECNL used to be exclusively devoted to girls. I think I have that right, Christian. Uh, but now coming up, uh, you also will have boys, right? Tell us about that.
2: Yeah, well, there's been a lot of discussion for years about uh, ECNL starting a boys' platform, and and we decided to do that about 12 months ago. And so for the last year, we've been talking to boys' directors, talking to boys' clubs about what they want uh, in a competition, what they think the marketplace needs uh, to be a better place for their players and for their clubs. And so we're going to kick off starting August 1 with uh, a boys' ECNL of about 60 clubs, so starting in a great, a great starting point for next year, uh, form, formulated very similar, similar to the girls with conference competition, uh, national events across the country during the regular season for those players and teams to compete against people from other regions. And then ultimately in the postseason, uh, the, the top boys ECNL teams will play in the ENPL playoffs with some of the top teams from uh, U.S. Club Soccer's NPL League. So we're bringing the best of the best on the boys' side together in the postseason. Uh, and, and we're really excited about that. I think the, the boys' market has been crying out for some change and for another avenue for, for top players to develop, and we're going to provide that.
1: All right. You talked about uh, where you feel ECNL and the girls program continues to fit in this massive country. As you said, 300 million plus uh, coming up right here on the NSCA podcast. Ironically, we're going to have Alois Winker, the U.S. Soccer Development Academy, the Boys Development Academy director. What does U.S. Soccer say about ECNL starting this boys organization?
2: Uh, you know, I, I don't think that they have much of an opinion on it. You know, if I if I was to be so bold as to say what what uh, I would guess is that it's it's great to have another platform that's providing a better standard of soccer. And so, being being in the ECNL and and being uh, a club in our platform is going to require more professionalism. It's going to require a, a higher standard of play over time, and and uh, we're going to do it giving the clubs the ability to, to structure themselves in whatever ways they feel is best, to play in what other systems and styles that they feel is best. And, and again, to go back to what we said on the girls' side, you know, we're 300 million uh, people in this country, and there are so many players out there, And to have a couple of platforms that are are both providing a a fantastic level of play and that are raising the quality and excitement in youth soccer and giving more resources to coaches and clubs to get better, that's got to be a positive for the American game overall. So uh, I'm sure the boys DA has has done a great job of of raising standards and, and changing the environment. Uh, a lot of that also led by MLS, obviously, with their massive investment into their MLS academies and, and providing uh, all, the, all the resources that those clubs get. And so I think to have the boys ECNL come in and, and start to start to do the same and maybe attract some players that slip through the cracks or that you know, don't don't necessarily fit into the mold. Uh, of the DA or are looking to do other things, I think it'll be a positive in the long run for the sport.
1: Christian, we started the show talking about the fact that you're a proud papa of your young son, less than two weeks old, uh, knowing that uh, you started this back in 2009. i got to believe that you're also a proud papa, to still those words, of the ECNL. As you reflect on the ECNL, which was started back in 2009, what are you most proud of? Is it alumni? What is it? Because you're not only creating great athletes, you're creating phenomenal people as well
2: yeah we've made a we've made a big focus on on the fact that soccer is a great sport uh, and can lead to so many different uh things and experiences but soccer is really a vehicle for developing better people and i think you know if i was to say what we're most proud of i would say we've transformed the way that coaches and youth soccer interact there's so much more collaboration and discussion and knowledge sharing that goes on that just never happened in, in 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 2000 in the early 2000s and before that. I mean, we joke that coaches used to see each other, you know, one or two times a year, usually in a very hot competitive environment where they one of them was rarely uh, in a mood to talk after the after the game. And uh, now now we have people that share ideas that have become great friends. Some of my my greatest friends have come through the work that we've put into this league and and i think part of the reason that the landscape's gotten so much better is that the resources and the information travel so fast from club to club and coach to coach in terms of what people are doing and training why uh why they do this or that and what's worked for them or how they solve this issue or structure their club to best serve their 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 families and their players and so I guess it's twofold. I'm really proud of the the collegial atmosphere that's developed. And then when you look at the alumni in the league uh, and what they've accomplished, whether it's the you know 1200 players that were in in college soccer last year, or whether it's the three quarters of the NWSL draft, I mean, think about that, three quarters of last year's NWSL draft where we all alums. And then you look at, you know we have alums now coming back into clubs as coaches. So more female coaches coming, uh, feeling like they, they want to get involved in the game at, at the youth level. And so I, I think what we've really do- done is changed the environment uh, to make it a, a better environment, not only from a soccer perspective, but one that's really helping make uh, people have better experiences in soccer with, uh, with their peers.
1: Finally, Christian Standard Fair for me, as you know, having been on the NSCA podcast before. You talk about collegial, you talk about sharing. The NSCAA continues to play a key role in that at all levels with all the alphabet soup of U.S. soccer.
2: Yeah, the NSCAA is a great organization. Actually, uh, you know, Ian Barker, who's the director of coaching education, was was my coach in college and mm. has been a mentor uh, for me not only from the first. Uh, the first summer camp that I coached at, uh, you know, back in 19, gosh, 1995, 1996, but uh, all the way to the future. And I think, you know, the resources they provide and the variety of perspectives that they provide uh, in terms of not only just different levels of the game and different, different leagues, high school, club, college, but the variety of perspectives they provide in education is really, really valuable because I, I, I don't think there's one way to do anything in the game. There's multiple different ways. And the best way, the best way to develop top-level players is to have that type of sharing of ideas and let people try it out, let people argue and, and go at it. And I think you're going to find more innovative ideas that way. You're going to develop better coaches that way. And I think the NFCA's role in that is, is really important.
1: The man is plug and play. Always a great interview. So passionate about it. Limitless energy, which means he'll have plenty of time for his newborn son. Congratulations again to you and your wife. Congratulations on the upcoming ECNL National Finals for U15, U16. And you seventeen this weekend. Can't wait. It's always fantastic soccer as we see the future stars of the collegiate game, and as you said, the future stars of NWSL and even the future stars of the USA. Christian Lavers, thanks for getting us started here on this week's NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap.
2: Thank you very much. Happy to be here.
1: Great to spend time with Christian Lavers, the president of the ECNL. Up next we switch to the U.S. Soccer's Development Academy, Boys Development Academy Director. Alois Winker from Holland as the Development Academy has the U-16 and U-18 championships coming up. And just over a week out in Los Angeles. Before we get to him, a quick message from QuickGo. Looking for ways to improve your training sessions? QuickGo has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for over 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, QuickGo has products essential for every level of the game. As an official partner to the NSCAA and technical partner to U.S. soccer, QuickGo knows what equipment you need to take your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Coming up next, Aloys Winker, the Boys Development Academy Director for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy right here on the NSCAA podcast presented by TeamSnap. The NSCAA is proud to announce the launch of our Online Foundations of Coaching Diploma. This online course has been developed as the perfect introduction to coaching youth soccer for the first time and a helpful refresher for those coaches coming back to the youth game. It provides insight to targeted activities and age-appropriate instruction for beginning-to-advanced players and is free to NSCAA members. Visit NSCAA.com jobs to learn more. Now, here's Dean. Dean. Pleased to be joined now, in fact, honored to be joined by Alois Winker, who is the U.S. Soccer Development Academy Boys Development Academy Director. Alois Winker, who will oversee all technical aspects of the boys' DA after transitioning from his role as a U.S. soccer coach educator. Delighted to be with you, Alois, during an exciting time for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. Thanks for being with us here on the NSCA podcast.
3: I'm I'm happy to be here. Thank you.
1: Well, it's exciting because the quarterfinals for the boys' finals tell us exactly what age group, as well, is going on right now. And then next Friday and Sunday in LA in StubHub, you will in fact have the semifinals and the finals.
3: Yeah, we are now in the phase of the quarterfinals. We uh, last week we had the, the playoffs played in the, in Indianapolis, and now we are uh, at the quarterfinals for the uh, for the U18s and the U16s. So eight teams left on on both on both age groups and then uh yeah what you already told uh uh all the, all the listeners, that uh, next week we have the, the semis and the finals in, in L.A.
1: So super exciting. At its core, we know now as well as you take a look at uh, the professional ranks at all levels across the country and then even overseas, the U.S. Soccer Development Academy playing such a key role in developing professional players as well. As you look at this U16, U18, the percentage has got to be above 50%, right, maybe? Or what do you think the percentage of these kids going on to play professionally?
3: Yeah, that's hard to say. But if you, if you look to the numbers, who are professional? then that right now, I think ninety-five are, percent are 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 a result of uh, of the development academy. So almost uh, all the new uh, professional soccer players played in the history in the in the academy. So yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a big benefit for every player in the US.
1: So how would you evaluate where the development academy is at now versus uh, where we'd like to see it in the future?
3: yeah that's uh of course, uh, I think we are on the right pathway doing better and better. Uh, level is improving. facilities environments are are doing much better than years ago, and uh, on the other end, there is a lot to improve and uh, and, and, and one of them is is, is for sure it's about uh, let's say about the philosophy the whole plan clubs have. It's also related to the identity of clubs. I mean still, we have a really a lot of young clubs and uh yeah they and they need to grow in their identity and 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 how they were what kind of club they want to be so that's that's for me the improvement number one
1: all right I want to back up a little bit as well because you came from Holland where you were working with some Dutch professional teams as well and serving in the coaching education department tell us a little bit about uh, your background before coming over to the states
3: yeah so I, I as, as, as we all did, we were, uh, in the early days. I was a player, and uh, I played professional. Not, uh, not I must say, not on the highest level, but I was professional. Then I became coach for a long time, youth coach, and uh, in the end, I became academy director in uh, in AZ Alkmaar. And maybe you know the club from Ernie Stewart, yep, Johnny Altitall played there. Yeah. So, so yeah, there is some American connection. Aaron Johansson, although maybe he's more Icelandic, but he's got an uh an american citizenship so uh yeah so i worked there as an academy director and yeah our academy improved improved and uh yeah and uh in the end someone from the u.s called me if i was interested to make a step to the u.s and uh yeah and my first reaction i was oh wow new step and uh, so uh, i started talking with the federation and uh I think it's a good challenge for me to make that step. So, uh, yeah, since uh, since 18 months, so beginning of uh, 2016, I arrived in the U.S. So, yes, it's a big step, but uh, so far it's, uh, it's a good step.
1: Well, it is a big step because the title of... Uh leading up the Boys Development Academy. We already talked about uh, the potential for professional growth, but also we want to continue to build the U.S. men's national team into a world power. So in in no small sense, you're playing a key role in that as well. i got to believe that's uh, something you also take very seriously.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So it's an honor. I'm I'm in that role. uh, And, of course, uh, although I'm in the lead, it's it's really uh, what we do as, as a team, as a group. So it's not only about me. Of course, I, again, I'm in a leading position, but, uh, yeah, we do it together. And that's uh, yeah, a big honor to, uh, to, uh, to be a part of that, uh, of that group and that development in the country. So, yeah, it's an it's a, it's a exciting time for myself.
1: And how did your role as a coach educator prepare you for the academy director role?
3: Uh, no, for sure, because uh, now I know the landscape better and the clubs. Eh? Although I, I was aware of, of, of a lot of things in the U.S., but but now the details how the academy works. On the other end, in my uh, in my former jobs in the, in the Netherlands as academy director, that's also really related to the work I'm doing right now. So then I was the the, the academy director, and now only now it's not on a real academy, but it's about all the academies and and and. Yeah, giving direction to all the academies. So there are similarities, but of course there are also differences. But but again, uh, working as a coach, uh, educator, that's helping me a lot to get to know the country and the people working at the clubs.
1: So pleased to be spending some time with the. Head of the Boys Development Academy. He's the Boys Development Academy director to be specific for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. Talking about from Holland, Alois Winker talked about the build up to the finals in Los Angeles next week. Friday and Sunday at the StubHub Center. Obviously, it's got to be a thrill for these teams that are playing all over the country. You said Atlanta and even in Canada, Vancouver, Orlando, Houston, Kansas City, Dallas, to just name a few. They know what's uh, on the horizon. I mean, it's uh, you know like winning a gold medal, right? I mean, this is a big championship.
3: Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, a few weeks ago we had the playoffs in Indiana, and uh, yeah, it's really great to see those games. I mean, yeah, for the kids, uh, for for the youngsters, yeah, it's it's a big opportunity, and yeah, they play for them. It's the same as a as a World Cup uh, game. That's how I see it. How they uh, how they experience the game. So yeah, that's really great. And now they are in the quarterfinals, so it's even one step closer to the finals. And again, if they if they have a good result, and then next week they are in L.A., and uh, to make it to the semis and hopefully for them to the final. So, yeah, it's, again, it's great for the players. It's a good experience uh, either.
1: Aloys you've heard it uh, said so often, coaches say they only win because they've got great players, and then players say that uh, they only develop because they've got great coaches. You obviously have an eye on improving the level of coaching at the academy level. How can you influence or improve the level of coaching?
3: yeah so yeah of course it's important, but I already mentioned that it. it's also related to philosophy, so clubs has to has to think, has to know how do we want to play, what's our style of play and 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 related to that, what kind of players we want to develop, and then the next step is how are you going to do that so again, first, you have to start with the philosophy. And, and, and of course, you already mentioned that it's really important that, that, that the level of coaching is, is better and better. And yeah, how can we do that? By coach education, by influencing, and that's then my responsibility, by influencing the directors. And it's the, it's, it's one of the, of the main task of an academy director is also develop your coaches. So it's not only uh, leading a program, but also develop your coaches because the coaches, they work day in, day out with the players. So, that's the most important tool for developing players.
1: Following up on some questions that uh, you also answered at ussoccer.com, you can check that out, but we wanted to bring that voice to life by hearing it here on the NSCA podcast. Why is it important that clubs develop their own identities, philosophies, and plans?
3: Yeah, f- number one for me is then it's also ownership. So uh, if we tell them how to work, how to do it, uh, imagine yourself when you have a, let's say your own business if someone else is telling you what to do day in day out then it's not something of yourself so when a club is is again is developing your his own style their own style their own their own uh, players their own style of players when when you, when you create ownership then then the motivation is much higher so that's really important and 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 i believe then it's coming from the clubs because the clubs they develop the players we as a federation, we can guide, we can support, we can help, but the development of players starts really starts in the clubs.
1: And how so, does the? So
3: that's why, it's, yeah.
1: No, very good. And how does the academy environment enhance those goals?
3: Yeah, so yeah, so we can influence that. So, so by by by, we have the technical advisors. They support the clubs, so they visit all the academies all over the country and give them technical supports about create a talent development plan create your style of play, create your, your, your plan on the field so they support the clubs uh, so they can do better day in, day out. And on the other hand, we can influence by organizing competitions, by organizing tournaments, by, by, again by the coach education uh, part of the federation. So we can influence on, uh, on quite a few different uh, areas.
1: And of course, the development academy is only getting bigger by adding the U fifteen level. I think one hundred sixty five teams or more. What's the benefit of this growth, Alois?
3: Yeah. So, so yeah. So there will be a logical pathway. So uh, yeah. So last year we started with the U twelve. So at the moment we have U twelve, U thirteen, U fourteen. Next year U fifteen is coming, and then after that age group we have U seventeen, U nineteen. So then we have two age groups in one team. But especially in the younger age group, it's important to have in each year have a team, so there is not a big difference between uh, between the kids, uh, especially on the physical side, but also on the mental side. If you have a difference of for 24 months, we don't uh, we don't believe that's a good environment to develop, especially for the youngsters.
1: With that as the backdrop, and with some of the questions we've already asked you coming over from Holland. What's your take right now as you look at Major League Soccer as a legitimate professional league, perhaps comparing it to what you see overseas, perhaps even in Holland?
3: Yeah, so for sure I'm now here for 18 months. What I see compared with last year, I see growth. And uh, I I see the level is improving. I see more youngsters coming in. And, and also the whole, yeah, let's, so the whole country is more is more supporting uh, the club. So I see more fans. It's more popular. It's more on television, and even uh, my uh, my former colleagues in the Netherlands, they also start talking about soccer in the U.S. So, yeah, you see it's growing, and and again, I believe the level is also uh, is also higher than uh, than it was before. So. I think we are in the right direction.
1: All right. I also talked about uh, the ultimate goal in your role, and that is making a U.S. a world power. Of course, they already are on the women's side every day. It's that uphill battle on the men's side. Your assessment of growth, but perhaps go even deeper as uh, you take a look at where the U.S. is now, not only at the full national team level, but some pretty good success stories at the youth national team levels at multiple age groups.
3: Yeah, that's correct, and of course we are happy with that. But but our final goal is, and, and that's also why we, uh, why the development academy started. It's it's a player development uh, uh, academy, so it's really about individual development. And of course we're happy with success of uh, of youth national teams, but but yeah, we want to develop world class players. So that means we have to we have to uh, have create better environments for players, so better coaches, better facilities. Better games, better competitions, better coaches. Again, I already said that. So, again, uh, success in teams is important, but most of the time you have success with a team because you have good players. So, it starts with developing the right, the good players. And when you have good players, the success will follow automatically.
1: We're here with Alois Winker, doing such a great job with the U.S. Soccer Boys development. Academy, And also, uh, you were a presenter for the NSCAA. This is the NSCAA podcast. Obviously, you know about the convention. When you assess uh, the National Soccer Coaches Association of America, it's a pretty neat organization and a pretty neat event, right, that they do every year?
3: Yes, yes, I was there in uh, in in LA uh, in January. So yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was an uh, it was a big event and it was the first time I was there last year. I should have come but uh but my visa was not ready. So yeah. It was a big event and it was it was nice to be there. Absolutely.
1: All right, Alois, uh final thing here. You mentioned Ernie Stewart. Uh, I was the press officer for the 1994 U.S. World Cup team, and Ernie Stewart will go down, in my opinion, not only as one of the great players to wear the red, white, and blue, but uh, one of the great people kind of funny story as part of the team there was a uh, company that made suits nice fancy suits that you'd wear at all these banquets and when it was over ernie stewart gave me his suits because at the time i was the same size now it might only fit one leg (laughs) but that's a pretty good example
3: he's a great guy right ernie stewart absolutely no he's fantastic so uh, once in a while i'm I'm still have contact with them and uh, so yeah uh, yeah, I'm not saying Philly is my favorite club, but uh, I hope they do well. And, uh, yeah, now Ernie is a fantastic person, and uh, I hope they have success uh, in uh, in Philadelphia.
1: Finally, uh, give us uh, kind of your blanket statement on how you're feeling right now about the U.S. Soccer Boys Development Academy in your role as director.
3: I must say I'm still working in coach education, so I'm also leading the academy director's course. So uh, uh, by by doing that course, I have a good feeling about what's going on uh, in all the development academies, not only in the MLS club but also the non-MLS club. So, I think again they are on the right track. And, and uh, but yeah, they have to they have to uh, let's say find a way also to 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 get connected with their local environment, with the local community, by uh, creating relationships, by having an impact on those local clubs, and also to get your uh, let's say your whole scouting network. Get, uh, 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 yeah, get a scouting network from your own region so that we will find every talented player all over the country. And again, the federation, it's impossible for us to check that. So that's also a responsibility for the clubs. And So create that ownership and, and, and create uh, uh, yeah, responsibility at the clubs. That will help us to do, uh, to do better in the future. I, I, I strongly believe in that.
1: The quarterfinals for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy on the boys' level, U-16 and U-18, going on this week and Thursday and Friday, leading up to next week's Final Four, Friday and Sunday at the StubHub in Los Angeles, and is with his hand on all of it. It's Alois Winkler, the new Boys Development Academy director for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. Alois, a pleasure to spend time with you. Thanks for being on the NSCA podcast presented by Team Snap. Thank you. All right. What a great show. I want to thank Christian Lavers, the longtime president of the ECNL, amongst other great things across the soccer world. The guy does it all. And also Aloys Winker from Holland and the new Boys Development Academy director for the U.S. Soccer Development Academy. ECNL and the US Soccer Development Academy girls and boys covered today as part of the NSCA podcast presented by TeamSnap. Also want to thank the good folks at the NSCAA, Ashley Goodrich, Kurt Austin, Sean Chevrolet, Lynn Berlin Manuel, and the rest of the crew. For everybody at the NSCAA, I'm Dean Linkey. We'll see you in a couple weeks right here on the NSCAA podcast presented by TeamSnap.
0: By being a member of the NSCAA, you are part of the world's largest network of soccer coaches. Here, you can find coaches like you who are passionate about bettering themselves and their players. Go to NSCAA.com to find out more.